Hi, everybody. This is Charlie from Thriving School Community Podcast. Oh, my goodness gracious. We've got Johnny Crowder today of Hope Notes. And you're in for a just, I say this a lot, but truly, like, I've known Johnny. I've known you so long as far as the podcast industry goes. And I've seen the growth. So first of all, welcome, Johnny. Thanks for being here. Oh, yeah. I'm happy we made it happen. Yes, yes. Well, and I've been trying to book Johnny for a long time, but he's busy, busy. So tell everyone what some things are like that you have in the works right now. Um, well, I travel a ton. So just to give you a lay of the land, there are three things that make me travel. One is um, I run a company called Cope Notes, and we help people improve their mental and emotional health by sending them randomly timed text messages. So that's that's my main gig that I am on the road for. So I go to conferences and meet with clients. And then I also am a public speaker. So I speak at conferences and events, um, giving keynotes and stuff. And then the third thing is, yes, if you can see me, you're like, no, duh, this guy has to be in a metal band. I am in a metal band and we do um, play shows and tour. So I, I love traveling for all of these reasons, but I also love returning home and getting to connect with people that I haven't connected with in a long time. So thank you for your patience. Yes. Well, we have to be patient for what you're doing, Johnny, because it's so important. And by the way, I see your social media posts with your gigs, like when you're on stage, you just absolutely love that part of it too, which oh, yeah. I think it's a huge outlet for you, of course, um, which I think you would agree, but you know, when we talk about improving school mental health and we're talking about improving the lives of kids, we also have to improve the lives of the adults around them. So I would love to know about like, what are the topics? Because people may not realize you're a TEDx speaker, TED talk speaker, right? Mm. So talk about what, cause that kind of launched you a little bit into this world too. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I, so I've always had a passion for, health education, I guess, in that for a long time when I was growing up, I loved learning about like biology and uh, I would like watch uh, Animal Planet and Discovery. And even now I still watch Planet Earth. I consider that to be health education because I'm like learning about how like ecosystems work and how I watched a video about how like the platypus's body is so strange and how it's adapted. So I like learning about um, living things and what makes them healthy, what, what things threaten that health and um, I w wound up going to school for psychology and learning a lot about the brain and what helps our brains become healthier or less healthy over time. And so now a big part of my job is kind of taking these really needlessly complex principles that people like to dress up with a bunch of jargon and fancy words and try to break them down into plain English so that people like you and me can understand without needing a doctorate um, to learn about how to take better care of our brains and bodies. Thank goodness. We need that. We have to simplify the solution, don't we? Wow. Yeah, I mean, even dude, I have a psychology degree. It's right above me. And I still will read stuff and go, what are they talking about? Like I literally, I always think the reason why um, information seems uh, out of touch, like think about financial literacy, people like, oh, I don't know, tax stuff is too complicated or like income stuff is too complicated. It's a shame that we think that way about certain things that are really important. I think mental health is one of those things where people go, ah, it's too complicated. There's too much to learn. And I'm like, no, mm -hmm. you can't not learn this stuff. We need to distill it down for, I mean, even like you just said, when it comes to educators, a lot of times we're so focused on the youth 
that we completely miss the fact that like taking care of the educators is taking care of the youth, but it's because our brains think that the mental health conversation is so prickly and touchy that we just don't think critically about it at all. And that's not safe. Mm, That's important. Not safe. Oh my gosh. We have to create that safety. Okay. So what are some of the talks? Like what are the topics of your talks when you go out to these schools and conferences? So I do, um, actually the one that would probably be most applicable to a school is I've done this talk around communicating with youth, um, rather than communicating at youth or communicating to youth. So I love it. Basically helping people understand, like, you got to keep in mind when I was younger, I was the type of kid where if I was sitting in a classroom and a teacher walked by me, I would flinch because mm-hmm. I was abused. And anytime I saw someone close to me, I interpreted it as danger. Like I'm in harm's way. And there are all of these kind of subtle behaviors and cues that I think a lot of educators don't understand to be maybe trauma related, maybe symptoms of mental illness. And so what I do is I walk through the way that I behaved in school what teachers thought it meant and then what it actually meant. And then I try to equip educators with here are some strategies that you can employ in your own school with kids that you interact with to see if they respond differently. So um, I talk about a lot of different things, employee wellness and um, self-care techniques. And um, I think probably the thing that I see the most, The thing that I see the most messages about, I'll word it like that, after a talk, when I'm working with educators, is that talk around like, Mm -hmm. I had no idea I have this student that does this thing, and I never understood that it could be related to this, and I tried what you said, and now they're opening up, and now they're, I mean, it's just so cool to read those stories. That is awesome. Because it shows you clearly have an impact. I mean, you changed the trajectory, not only of their teaching life and relieved them a little bit, because when they don't know what to do, they feel overwhelmed, right? Or they feel guilty or a lot of those feelings. But also now you've helped them change the trajectory of that kid's lives and kids like children's lives, which is great. So what I'd love you to do, if you don't mind, Johnny, to kind of go back to that kid sitting in that classroom with a teacher that might be getting a little too close by you, not getting Mm. too deep, but what is it? If you had the voice back then that you do now, what is it that you would say to them? That I'd say to the teachers, the teachers who were scaring you and didn't mean to. Wow. Um, I, I don't know that I would have the wherewithal to say this, but I'd probably say if I had my 30 year old brain and I somehow had like no concerns about like social repercussions for saying this, exactly, I would be like, I've learned that adults are dangerous and you're an adult. It's not because you're you. It's not even because of anything you've said or done. It's simply that the people who hurt me physically share some demographic information with you in that you're both old enough to rent a car or whatever. You both have mortgages or whatever. So I view you as on the same team as the people who abuse me, even though I'm not consciously thinking that subconsciously I'm alarmed. And maybe when we communicate, if you could give me these sort of consistent yet subtle reminders that you are not 
here to harm me. You are a different person than my parents. That would really help me differentiate between people who have hurt me and you. That is so very powerful. Okay. So what is something they could actually have said and do to to help you feel safe in those moments? Okay. So one thing that I talk a lot about in these talks is the idea that when you're in an abusive environment, you are in a situation where you are very likely to serve up a wrong answer Mm. to an adult especially as a kid, you're thinking, well, I, I probably should just keep my mouth shut and not voice my opinion at all. Or if you ask me for information, I, there's a 50, 50 chance I'm going to get it wrong. And I know what happens when I get stuff wrong. I know what happens when I say the wrong thing. So something that I always encourage teachers to do is to do their best to create an environment where there is no wrong answer or the right answer is whatever the person says. So these are typically opinion-based questions. So rather than a yes or no, where there's an objective this or that type of answer or multiple choice, um, I love the idea of asking youth about their opinions. So even something as simple as, should I wear a green tie or a red tie? Or did you want Funyuns or Doritos? Um, (laughs) Or even... I wanted to watch a movie on Netflix this weekend. I haven't seen anything good. Do you have any recommendations? Asking for opinions is a way of showing, not telling that you're actually listening to that child. And that if they share their opinion, they're not going to get in trouble. You're just simply asking for their input. And then if you want to go the extra step, actually execute on what they share. So this means if they say, I like the green tie better, and then you wear the green tie, it is demonstrating to them that not only is their input welcome, Hmm. but it actually is influencing decisions. That means they have a voice. You're giving them back their voice and showing them you are in an environment where not only do I want to hear from you, but I take into consideration your opinion when I make decisions. Hmm. They can actually see the results of them speaking up and then slowly feel more comfortable because they build a body of evidence that in the past, when I've spoken up with this teacher, my opinion has been heard and respected. Hmm. Now imagine all teachers across the nation doing this with all students. What is the outcome? What is the Dude, outcome? You, you'd need to be wearing a lot of ties. You'd need a whole big tie collection. <laughs> um, I know. Is it I doable? Do you think that's doable that we can equip teachers and, and any adult working with kids, any adult, do you think it's possible to equip them properly so that they can create that safety for students and kids? Yeah, I think it's, here's where people get tripped up. I think they think too logistically. So like, what, if I have to do that for everybody, then I'm having to please everybody. It's less about the actual exercise and more about what the exercise communicates. So it's kind of like saying, do you want to, do you want to work out every single day? Or do you want to become the type of person who works out every single day? Like one is way more sustainable. If you are the type of person who works out every single day, And then you get the flu and you don't work out for eight days. That's fine because you're still the type of person who works out every day. So my focus, whenever I'm working with these educators is you don't have to focus on specifically doing this exact exercise every day or employing this exact technique every day. I want you to focus more on becoming the type of educator that defaults to this 
ethos where even if you're not engaging in that exact example of an exercise or a technique that your youths are still picking up that vibe. Like, yeah, I feel like she'd, she'd probably listen to me. She'd probably hear me out. You know? Yeah. I love that. I love that. And then what do you tell leaders when you work with them? I mean, do you have the same conversation or like a different way to lead that conversation with teachers? It's very, uh, I feel that it's different when I'm working with employer groups because a big thing that I see, and I'm just touching on like one thing per group. So I'm not, there's lots of stuff that I want to say, but I know our time is limited. So I'm picking one thing per group. Okay. One thing that I see with employers that, um, always like befuddles me is they'll say, well, my team isn't talking to me about what they're going through. And it's like, okay, do they talk to you about anything? Do they talk to you about chess or hockey or their daughter's flute recital? Like, are they, are, do you have a relationship with them really that would be conducive to them opening up? I think a lot of employers are like, how come my team isn't verbalizing to me what they need? And it's like, because you've never created an environment where they can verbalize anything. You don't want to start with the bipolar conversation. Right. You want to start with right. Memorial Day weekend. Oh yeah, we grilled out and oh, I got to show you this picture my daughter got in this big floaty unicorn thing. You have to see this. It was so funny. Start there and build the foundation so that if they do feel comfortable or, or so that if they do experience something challenging, like, hey, um, I I definitely need a mental health day. I'm really, this was the anniversary of my dad's passing and I really just need to take this time off. Grief really hits me hard. That conversation should probably be the 30th non-work conversation that you have, not the first. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. It really is an important piece to say that because I mean, I think we all had that. I mean, I had a an administrator, I will say, who was a micromanager. I mean, to say the very least, and the whole staff, like there are a lot of people on staff that did not trust this person. And that person, I think, had a good heart, but it, the communication piece was lacking, right? Mm -hmm. And so there wasn't trust. And then I remember this person talking to me one day, they noticed something very different in me. I was actually always excited to be there. And, but I was, there was a lot of heavy stuff going on for me and they noticed it and they tried to talk with me and actually spend some time. And I'm like, you know, I love that you're trying to do this, but damn, you're not really doing it all those other 29 conversations. Yeah. Like, this is the first time you're really trying to do this with me and I can't give that to you. So I don't yeah. I couldn't appreciate that, even though they were trying. So I think that's a good message, Johnny, to leaders who are talking. I think their intentions are so good most of the time. And <sighs> that disconnect is there. And that's probably why. But it, also at the same time, that should be really liberating knowing like, oh, I can start by talking about kayaking. Like, yeah, you don't have to jump straight to the real serious heavy stuff. Good point. Like, I, I've seen a lot of employers go, oh, that's that'll be way easier. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> of course. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of like, it makes it a little less scary for them knowing that they don't have to start there. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's a good point too. So many things. And I know you've got a million things to share, um, but I think it's important that we actually talk about what you are doing in school to support mental health with Cope Notes, because that's how you and I initially talked. Yeah. And, and that was when I just had a, that was the podcast about advancing humanity. And that was a big piece is how are we going to help our youth? And it always came back to education, which is why we're here today. So talk about Cope Notes, where it is now and still where your vision is. 
Yeah. For, I know I shared a sentence about it earlier, but for people who are listening and they're like, I still don't get it. So basically what we do is we send randomly timed text messages that contain health education content. So psychology facts, journaling prompts, exercises. So you never know when we will text you or what the text will say, but over time it trains your brain to think in healthier patterns, to combat negative thoughts, to uh, reduce depression, anxiety, stress, increase emotional intelligence, resilience, coping skills, all this fun stuff. Um, And the goal is to make it as easy as possible. So literally five seconds a day, 10 seconds a day. And what we've been doing with schools is um, we support both the youth and the educators. It's really important whenever we're working in education, we're like, no, 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 you don't exclude yourself. Adults, you get to use this too, because we serve um, youth and adults all over. And I think a lot of times people um, are... I think it's easy to say, well, yeah, they need it, but I'm Mm -hmm. fine. Mm -hmm. They could use something like that, but, but not me, surely not I. And they kind of miss this opportunity to engage in something that would really help them feel better. So now what we're doing is we'll launch like either with individual schools or, or colleges or universities or with districts and actually serve um, educators K through 12. And then we serve for youth. We do uh, middle and high school. So sixth grade and up. And really what we're doing is you got to think if you can't get somebody to administer a psychology course every single day or every other day in a school district, how can you take some of the principles that they would have learned in the psychology course and sprinkle them throughout the school year? So that they're still learning, they're still able to grab onto these ideas without having a whole separate psychology course. And we're sending these to youth and to adults. And I think what is funniest is we'll hear people say, especially we hear from parents too, and they'll say, I'm so frustrated. And we're like, what's going on? And they'll say, well, my daughter took a screenshot of a cope notes text message and sent it to me and was like, Oh, how cool. Check this out. And I'm frustrated because I told her that I already told her that. And she must've been in one ear and out the other. And now she reads it on cope notes and it's the coolest new thing. So it's really (laughs) funny to see how like using a different communication method and having it come from a different source can really, I mean, every parent listening to this already knows this, where you could tell your kids something and then they hear it from a friend or they read it in a magazine and and then it sticks. I think Cope Notes is that, but with a laser focus on mental and emotional health and more importantly, interrupting the negative thought patterns that more than likely everybody in any given school district is experiencing some type of negative thought pattern every day. Mm -hmm. Is that why it's random? Yeah. So um, you can imagine if I texted you, I mean me, if I texted you once per day at Mm 9am, you would probably start to ignore it. Not on purpose, Sure. but your brain would just kind of be like, oh yeah, that's the text from Johnny. I'll get to it later. But if you never knew when the text was coming and you never knew what it would say, there was that sense of novelty that the brain craves, then your retention goes through the roof because it's kind of, I always describe it as guerrilla warfare for negative thoughts. So (laughs) you're going about your day, you're washing dishes, you're sitting in traffic and your phone buzzes and you think, 
who's that? Could be my husband. It could be um, someone from my high school. It could be my best friend. could be someone from work and you open it and it's an intervention. 160 character, two sentence long micro intervention. And sometimes when you read that, all your brain does is go, huh. And you go back about your daily life. Sometimes you journal back. Sometimes you participate in an exercise, but the important thing is that little, huh, that moment, 30 days in a row, 60 days in a row, 90 days in a row, 180, 365, your brain physically changes to adapt to that. So the real exciting part is if I sent you the same, a message at the same time every day, your brain would tune it out. But because the timing is random, your brain can't help but focus on it because it's like, Ooh, what's this? It's so true. I mean, there's so much evidence of that clearly. And we wrote an entire chapter on this skill called self-reflection, which is all about, all about combating that self, like that's no, sorry, that negative self-talk. So like, Mm -hmm. I have so much going on in my brain right now. It's so exciting Mm -hmm. Um, because the underlying problem is to our mental health and wellness in our relationships and how we treat other people not even just ourselves, but how we treat other people is that negativity that just keeps swirling. So not only does it hinder us, it hinders the people we're trying to create that safe space for. So I love that. That fits right into that. It's just an, it's another piece to help combat that negative self-talk. And if we can have simple tools that we can just integrate in our day, like that is where we're going to make real change. So I love think about, I think about like, so you and I brush our teeth on average, five minutes a day. We spend five minutes every day brushing our teeth and we've done it for decades and we'll continue doing it. Yeah. There's not really the mental health equivalent. Like at least for me, I know people who do nothing and I know people who are like, oh, I meditate for an hour every morning and an hour every night. And I go to therapy once a week and I take all my vitamins and I read all my books and I'm like, holy crap. Like where is the middle ground between complete neglect for our mental health mm-hmm. and people who really have an interest in the bandwidth and the financial ability to be able to dedicate tons of time and attention to it. And for me, I've definitely lived in both camps. I've been on the, I'm not doing anything about it side. I've been on the, this is my entire life side. And you could definitely argue that I still live there because this is my job, but yeah. there's, there's millions and millions, billions of people who are somewhere in between. They're, they're not in the middle of a crisis and they're not having a perfect day every single day. And those are the people that I'm most passionate about. Mm-hmm. Well, you mentioned parents earlier too, Johnny. I mean, they are a key piece to this. And that was the whole point of having kids feel better is not only the educators is of course a huge part of their lives, but parents and caregivers. So have you ever thought about approaching schools and asking them to do like a parent engagement fund to fund this for parents, like their whole parent group? So we've done, uh, we've had some conversations with some PTAs before. We've also had, uh, we have a family plan. So like people can buy like for their spouse and their children, but we've never done like a parent funded like project for families. That is a really cool idea. And I bet like, I remember when I told this was early on early cope notes, this was in our first year. Um, I actually worked with this woman who, uh, she worked at my old job and I was telling her about what I was building. And she said, um, she was telling me about her daughter and how she was really struggling with depression. And, um, 
she was telling me about how challenging it was to like get resources for her. And she said, well, how much would Cope Notes cost? And I said, well, it's going to be like a hundred bucks for the year. So maybe like eight or nine bucks a month, something like that. And she started crying and I was like, "Uh Oh, like, did I make it? Did, what did I say? What did I do? Did I trigger something? And I was like, what's going on? And she said, I spent $145 on a discovery session with a therapist that my daughter will never see again. And I thought to myself, how many more weeks am I going to be able to afford this? So if you're saying I can have a full year for less than the price of one therapy session, she's, she's bawling like between tears. And I was just like, Whoa. And so I think we've seen a lot of support from parents who say, Oh, I've spent more than this on pizza when their friends come over. Like, I mean, eight bucks a month, nine bucks a month. If it's going to make my son feel better. Oh, I will not think twice about it. And the real goal was it's to remove barriers to care. And I think for a lot of people, especially like people like me growing up, cost was a barrier to care. Mm-hmm. There are resources out there that are 400 bucks a month and yeah. they might be great, but I would have never found, I, I would have never known that because I wasn't really financially eligible to take advantage of them. Yeah. Yeah. There are a lot of barriers. It's so true. And there's there, I mean, it's a great way to engage technology in a really health, like healthy way for our kids and adults too, right? Like it's one of those things that it has this negative connotation, but then you're like, no, actually let's use this. Let's use it this way. And that's why I do. I, I, I swear I think of you, right? I, I think of Cope Notes. I do absolutely believe in it. You know that I've told you that for several years. And I do always think like, parent engagement, people in charge of district parent engagement funds often tell us like, we have this, we have data, we just don't Mm -hmm. know what to do with it. And I always think like, we got to get you in touch with them because as much as like what we want to do with them and, and provide them with the skills, this is an extension of that, that would be so helpful and beneficial and give it to the parents. So they all have the same common experience. They could talk about it. Right. I know you're with me on that, man. It's so important. I see a lot of parents be like, oh, I don't want my kids using their phones more. And I, I literally say more, more, my, my goal is not to have your child use cope notes for more than a few seconds per day. Like actually, we've actually heard from people hmm. who say that they'll get a cope notes text. It's like, I don't know, three thirty four PM or something pops up on their phone and it interrupts their doom scroll on Twitter on TikTok or something. And they're like, Whoa, I didn't even realize I was sitting there staring at my phone for 45 minutes. And then I get a text that says, um, go outside or, uh, look at the person closest to you and compliment them or some type of thing that I wouldn't have done otherwise. And it broke me out of that trance. So literally we are, we're professional thought pattern interrupters. That's what we do. We're not, we're not trying to hook somebody to something. We're trying to pull them out of something. That is amazing. That it truly is. It tr- and you know, I'm going to be signing my kid up who just got a phone. He's in middle school going into eighth grade. And then my 19 year old. And I'm like, why am I not doing this too? Because I, <laughs> I want them to have that extra information that I may be telling them at home, but it's yeah. just a reinforcement and it disrupts them. It disrupts mm-hmm. their thought pattern when I can't be there. So parents really need to listen in on it. And again, this podcast is for educational leaders. Imagine the gift you give not only your kids, your educators, and your parents. It's your whole school community. That's it. I love it. I love it. It's so doable. Like I think the way 
historically we've talked about mental health is making it like this big, scary nine headed monster. And I was talking to a buddy of mine, Kyle, who works in uh, children's cancer. And he said, you know, mental health is a lot like children's cancer and children's cancer is a lot like every other challenge that humanity has faced with enough time and money and attention. It can be solved. Hmm. And I was like, holy crap. I've never, I've, I historically have not thought of problems that big that way, but he was like, look at anything else we've ever accomplished as a human race. Yes. It's yeah. it with enough time, enough attention and enough money. We've solved everything. Humans are still alive. That is a miracle in itself. Right. And he was like, if we could just take the same time, money and attention that we dedicate towards, uh, fantasy football or towards making a Doritos commercial or whatever. Um, (laughs) If we took that time, money and attention and put it towards mental health, we could solve this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I share that vision too. I, it's funny when I catch myself saying it, like, listen, just get these nine skills that we do, make sure all (laughs) the educators have it, by the way, give parents the skills too. And you leaders as well, our kids are going to be great because they'll have the skills and we'll all be using them together and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I do believe we can improve and get ahead of this and prevent the youth mental health crisis. Like we got to get out of it, stop putting out these darn fires. And I do believe that schools districts really, because they have more reach. They are, they are there in our society positioned so well to have that outreach. So I think, Tell me, so tell me where you're going with Cope Notes eventually. Like, what are the numbers now? Where are you? I know you're global. And where do you hope to be? Yeah, we have users in 97 countries. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd really like to hit 100 just for my, my OCD. It'd be nice to be like, click, <laughs> to click over to 100. Even number. Um, <laughs> we've exchanged millions of text messages at this point. I, I don't know exactly how many, which is kind of a good thing. Um, but there's a list on our website that that shows all our stats. And I think our focus is definitely to build on the, the youth work that we've done. We had a really successful launch um, Q1 of this year with a school district. It's one of our largest uh, projects ever with youth and we're seeing positive results. And we, I, I really want to build on that because I was that student that really needed support and wasn't getting it. And so I'm very passionate about serving youth. And then we're also doing uh, way more on the employee wellness side. We're also, we've been talking to some sports teams, which is cool and not even like big sports teams, but I mean like local soccer teams and lacrosse teams who are saying like, well, you know, if, uh, if our teammates have mental and emotional health support, then they're going to perform better. And they're, they're not going to get like performance anxiety or whatever, uh, beat themselves up after a loss. So there's all these cool new applications that I'm seeing people bring me. And then ultimately, I mean, my goal is for, Cope notes to be the toothbrush and floss of the mental health world where each of us, every single person listening to this spends a few minutes a day taking care of their preventative dental health. If we could do the same for preventative mental health, I cannot imagine what this world would look like. So that's, that's my goal. I want cope notes to be that. Awesome. I definitely believe it can be. I do. Okay. So, all right. If somebody wants to get in touch with you or try this out, where do they go? How do they do that? 
So if they go to copenotes.com, they'll have literally everything they would possibly need. There's a contact form if you need to get in touch with us. There's information about how we work with um, large groups like school districts or employers on our website. You can also try Copenotes for free on our website. And if you um, are more interested on like the speaking and training side, like keynotes or anything like that, if you go to johnnycrowder.com, there's information about all of that. And there's a contact form there as well. Awesome. What about if they want to follow you on social media? On Facebook, I am Johnny Crowder. On LinkedIn, I am Johnny Crowder. And on Instagram, I am Johnny Crowder loves you because I do. Nice. Oh my goodness. Well, that's a good way to end. Anything else that we need to share that's that we've left out? I know there's a lot of stuff, but just that, I mean, one thing that I want to say is if, if you're listening to this and you've spent a half hour of your life, your finite life on this planet, you spent a half hour listening to this conversation and you don't take an action, hmm. you're, you're missing a tremendous opportunity. Like you said, I mean, school districts are in a position of authority in a position of reach. That's great. But also let's not forget that each person listening to this is in a position of relative authority over their family, over their friends, over their team. I mean, there's over themselves. If you listen to this and you make one decision to change something about your mental and emotional health or that of somebody else, you have made the most of this opportunity. So my only ask is don't just listen to this and then go back about your day. Like listen to this and then choose right now in this moment I'm going to take an action. Either I'm going to talk to my school board about this or I'm going to talk to um, a colleague about this, or I'm going to sign up for a trial for myself, or I I'm going to talk to my wife about something I've never brought up to her. Do just take an action. That's my only ask. Perfect. I absolutely love it. And I love talking with you, Johnny. Thank you so very much for being here. Truly. I appreciate it. Of course. Thank you for having me.